Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello there, dear, dear friends. And statistically speaking, at least one or two childhood enemies. Adam Cleary here. And yes, you're right. I am still alive. I know, I know. Sometimes you come on the channel and you're like, oh my God, this guy must be dead or something. But no, no, not dead. Just dead busy. But something hit me in my brain head the other day. And I thought, oh, do you know what? When I get a spare five minutes, like I have right now, I'm going to do a little video on it. What were you doing when this little thought occurred to you, Adam? Were your pants around your ankles? Oh, no, 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 no. No, my friends. I was watching Star Trek Nemesis, which is about as far removed from having a good time as it's possible to have. Why was I watching it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I was just, I've been, I've been going through a time and it was slightly comforting and it was on and the remote was like there. Anyway, I actually particularly find Star Trek Nemesis an incredibly frustrating movie because I think the building blocks of a really interesting story are there. The crew really kind of felt like they'd hit their stride a bit after First Contact. Yes, Indirection wasn't very good, but the performances certainly didn't suck. And as with all Star Trek films, they tend to do one good, one bad, then one good. Indirection was reasonably bad, it's fair to say, so we expected Nemesis to be quite good. That wasn't unreasonable of us. But it was not good, was it? And such was the critical and financial failure of that film. It was indeed a generation's final journey. They got rid of any further plans they had for more next generation films. And even the really, really like far down the line ideas they had to bring the next generation Deep Space Nine and Voyager together for one film, that got bazookaed as well. And that's a shame. That's a real shame in my opinion, because there was a lot of good things happening there. The Picard data storyline, the Romulan Federation storyline, the whole idea behind Shinzon in the first place, everybody being about to move on to different stages of their lives. Riker and Troy getting married, Crusher going to Starfleet Medical, Picard thinking maybe we're a bit too old for all of this. Like it did feel like there was something really good that could have happened here. And you know what? If you just apply a little bit of your own in-universe logic, it's actually brilliant. All right, okay, all right, it's not, it's not actually brilliant, but the thing that did occur to me makes it a lot cleverer than it actually appears. So I am going to tell you about that right now. But before I do, just want to address the elephant in the room. This is a theory video that does rhyme with my surname. So if you really want to, we can call this... Now, for this theory to work, you kind of got to do a little bit of mental in-universe gymnastics and give the writers a lot more credit than they probably do deserve for a few things that happened. And we start 
with Shinzon. Now, we don't know when exactly Shinzon was created, but he was a clone of Jean-Luc Picard designed to age very rapidly and then replace him in his position in the Federation. This was a Romulan ploy to have a Romulan agent right at the heart of Starfleet, or whatever it is Tom Hardy says about it. Now, they leave loads of the dates and the specifics of this quite vague. All we know is that the plan got scuppered because, as quite often happens on Romulus, there was a change of government and they quietly buried it, just hoping he would die in the Roman mines. Now, quite why this insidious evil organization couldn't just snuff out a small human child to protect what would be one of the most damning, shocking secrets in galactic history. I don't know, but you just, just got to live with that. But when Shinzon was created, it's actually incredibly important to all of this. Now, we know that he was down in those mines for nearly 10 years prior to his service in the Dominion War. And of course, the Dominion War, which we know from being the main driving force behind the latter seasons of Deep Space Nine, started in 2373, the same year as Star Trek First Contact, and ended in 2375, the same year as Star Trek Insurrection. That means that roughly, give or take, Shinzon's nearly 10-year exile was around 2364, 2365, or something like that. And of course, he was a small boy at the time, so he would have been created years prior to it. So let's say, for the sake of argument, something like 2354. And I'm not used to pulling that out of the air in the novelization of Star Trek nemesis Beverly Crusher does say he was created in 2354. That bit just did not make it into the film and is thus not canon. But if you actually do the maths in your head, you can go about that far. It does kind of work out and it's in the book anyway. So we're saying 2354. Now, interestingly, just as a little aside to this, and this is totally a coincidence, by the way, there is no way they meant to do this. Shinzon says that it was a change of government that led to the plan being scrapped and him being exiled. Now, that change of government would have happened right before his exile. So again, we're talking the mid 2360s. And if you've seen the Defector, one of the best episodes of The Next Generation, Jarok himself says that there has been a change in government at Romulus that are far more aggressive, this, that, and the other. Things are changing, there's new people behind the scenes. He talks about a change in government at the exact same time that Shinzon would have suffered from one. That is, I think that's a coincidence, but it does line up perfectly. So we're saying like 2354 that the whole Operation Let's Replace Captain Picard thing came about when they made Shinzon. 2354, right? Now that is 10 years, fully 10 years, before Picard takes command of the Enterprise D and basically becomes one of the most important captains in Starfleet. A decade, a decade prior to that. So what was he doing then? Well, as best we know, in-universe, he was still on the USS Stargazer, having been made captain of that in 2333. Now, notice I'm not saying promoted to the rank of captain in 2333. He took command of it as a young lieutenant when the captain was killed, so apparently Starfleet promoted him to being the captain of that ship. You can probably assume he either got bumped up to lieutenant commander or commander, and because you informally refer to anyone who is captaining a ship as captain, he was the captain of that ship without being the captain. That makes sense, which it doesn't. Which, I mean, does beg the question, like, why? Of all the people, all the figures across Starfleet, all the major players in the Federation, why this, like, newly appointed captain of an otherwise inconsequential vessel in the dark reaches of space who has no real political ambition or anything like that, how, why on earth would you pick him? 10 years away from him getting his big command and becoming one of these big players and one of the most important figures in Federation Romulan history, the guy who patrols the neutral zone. Yes, in the future, it's right that you get him, but why did they pick him then? Now, I know what you might be thinking, maybe they just try to do every single captain, and of course, this is the most relevant one, the one that makes for the most compelling story, but like, this is a shadowy, secretive organization. The Tal Shiar don't go around just doing things on a big scale, because the bigger the scale it is, the less chance it's got of being a secret. They probably only did it with one person, so why on earth, in the 2350s, 10 years before he got his big job, 
Would you pick Picard? And this is the theory that I've got for you, okay? The reason they picked Captain Picard in the 2350s was because of Tasha Yar. What? Tasha? What? She's got nothing to do with any of this? What? What? I don't understand. Yesterday's Enterprise, one of the best episodes of The Next Generation. Nay, one of the best episodes of Star Trek. Full stop. That's where they start. Now, on the off chance you haven't seen this, and if so, why? What are you doing with your life? Yesterday's Enterprise is an episode about an alternate timeline where the Federation is at war with the Klingons, and the Enterprise C comes forward in time, changing the timeline, then goes back and resets the timeline. But in the timeline that has changed in the episode, Tasha Yar is still alive. She was not killed in the first season of the show. She is still alive in 2366, having served with Picard as tactical officer for years aboard the Enterprise D. Then, during all all the shenanigans and everything that goes on, she ends up back on the Enterprise C and goes back in time with the rest of that crew. This, of course, restores the timeline. Nobody remembers any of it, and Tasha is still dead, and she doesn't continue in any of that. But, of course, this alternate Tasha then goes back to the original past and is captured by the Romulans, effectively putting herself in a loop. Then, of course, in later episodes of The Next Generation, Tasha's daughter, Sela, reveals that she wasn't actually killed at that battle. No, no, no. She was captured by the Romulans and taken with the rest of the surviving Enterprise-C crew to live on a Romulan prison thing. Now, Tasha actually saves the lives of the entire rest of the crew by agreeing to become the consort of the Romulan general in charge. The two of them eventually have a child together. Then when Tasha tries to escape with her, she is promptly put to death. But that did nonetheless leave Sela behind, and she was about four years old at the time. And prior to her birth, of course, they'd spent about a year interrogating the Enterprise-C crew. So I think that means that one of two things happened. Either A, Tasha Yar loving her daughter so much used to try and regale her with stories about her human heritage, her human history, why they were the good guys and why the Romulans weren't to be trusted, and thus would have told her about many of the great men and women she served with, why Starfleet was so good, and of course, that would have led to her spouting effusive praise about the great Captain Picard, one of Starfleet's greatest ever captains from her time. Or the far more grim answer to all this is that during the interrogation, they completely broke her, found out she was actually from the future. And obviously the information wasn't tactically good because, well, it's from a different timeline, but certainly the personality she would be telling them about is worth listening to because they are, of course, all going to come and be alive in this timeline and will still rise to great things, even if the timeline is different. And of course, who would she talk about more than anybody? Captain Picard. And of course, when is all of this happening? When back in time did Tasha Yar go to to tell the Romulans, or indeed just her daughter, about how great Captain Picard was? 2340 for 10 years before Shinzon came along. Plenty of time to have a series of grandiose ideas about what they can do with this future great leader in Starfleet and how best they can use that information to their advantage. 10 years where they can monitor his career to make sure he is indeed rising up the ranks and becoming one of the most prominent players in this part of the galaxy. 10 years to come up with the technology, get the approval and get the plan in action to create a clone of Captain Picard. Now, yes, all right, maybe this is a little bit of a reach. Maybe you have got to do a couple of leaps in logic, but come on, right? What a much better origin story for Shins on this is than just, they decided to replace Picard one day. Lol, we won't say why. This would tie the final movie for the Next Generation's crew into the best episode during the entire run of the Next Generation. Much in the same way you got that shock reveal when you looked at Sela's face and saw Denise Crosby staring back at you, Picard would now be getting that exact same thing, looking across that big, weird marble floor thing and seeing his own face reflected back at him. 
he would be getting that exact same feeling you got when you first watched that episode. Plus, if it is tied into the whole sealer thing, then it's a direct result of his own actions. I just, I just like that better. I like that much better than what we got in the film. I like that so much better than what we got in the film. I'm genuinely annoyed that wasn't what we got in the film because I haven't invented any of these facts. This is not something I've written and gone, wouldn't it be fun? If there's all stuff that was there, that was in the episodes, that was in the film, you just have to just weave it together slightly in your own head. And I'll tell you this as well. Everybody always says The Wrath of Khan is the best Star Trek film, and the reason for that is because it so closely relates to an episode of the original series. It feels like a continuation of a story you're already familiar with. And of course, if people don't say The Wrath of Khan is the best film, they say First Contact is the best film, which is itself a continuation of the best of both worlds. Like, it just, every time Star Trek takes a great episode and turns it into a movie, it ends up being a great movie. And this would have been that. And I know there was way more wrong with Star Trek Nemesis than just the core premise. We're not going to get into any of all the other stuff. I just think this would have been a really, really nice way to write that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.